Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, judging from the pile of boxes behind you, you've got a, uh, a shoe for every day of the year. That, that's quite remarkable. I'm quite impressed with that. And every single one <laughs> is absolutely essential. Couldn't couldn't do without any of them. <laughs> of course. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plod. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to another episode of Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. I am back. I am fired up. I was in Greece. I didn't think I was going to make it back after an epic 15 hours on planes, trains, buses. I think there was a metro somewhere in there. Was it? Was there some kind of sub? I can't remember. I don't know. I phased some of it out. <laughs> it was ridiculous. 15 hours it took me to get back. Right, to get back. And, and some people I appreciate listening to the show that perhaps didn't know I was away was thinking, oh, wow, did you have a nice time in New Zealand? No. No, I was in Greece. <laughs> I was in Greece. Right. So so you say that a plane was part of that. A plane. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's in an aeroplane. I got, I, got, I, got, I got on the plane to to go to Greece, yeah. I don't even know how it would take 15 hours on a plane to get from here to Greece. I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. Well, no, that's where all the other modes of transport come into play. It, honestly, it was an absolute nightmare. Like, everything that could go against us did go against us, and it was just... It was awful. It was awful. Mm, but, to be fair, I'm 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 happy, but also surprised that you're back, because I remember previous holidays, and anyone listening to this podcast will remember, that you've had to do the, the show from a beach... From a shanty town, from a mud hut, and other such places scattered around the world with a whole bunch of wildlife chasing you, making noises in the background and stuff like that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and have a listen to some of the older episodes because you, chances are you'll get Jake on a beach with a noisy cricket in the background because, for whatever reason, you got stranded in a foreign country and couldn't get home. So I'm just glad that you're back this time, to be honest. No crickets were used in the production of this episode of Running Reject the Podcast. <laughs> and it wasn't a holiday. It wasn't a holiday. We obviously recorded last week's show prior to me uh, flying off, uh, driving off on the train. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> we, we managed to get over there. But it wasn't a full-on holiday. So Martina, my girlfriend is a vet, she was going to this big international anaesthesia congress. It's They hold uh, every year, twice a year, all different places of the world. And uh, this year, this time, was in, was in Greece. Do you want to come? So I was like, well, I mean, hell yeah. Of course I want to come. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. I did Take 15 hours to get somewhere. Of course, I'm oh. in. <laughs> well, I didn't realise that bit, I must admit. <laughs> and the flight was delayed and you sat on the runway and, oh, man. But I'll tell you something, right? Now, some people, I don't know. I think it's personality, isn't it, that enables you to deal with certain things in life. So, you know, we all have kind of thresholds for certain things, don't we? Um, and some people don't like waiting around. They, they, they don't like that kind of lack of control and that anticipation of what's happening. Are we actually going to bloody move? Is the pilot <laughs> even here? Or is he finishing his box set at home on Netflix? What, what's going on? And I'm a little bit like that. I'm a little bit... I sort of, I'm a bit restless, but I can also chill if I'm in the right headspace. The problem, of course, is when you run and you train a lot, you become more body aware and you realise just how bad travelling is for the body. It's, it's like really bad. I mean, it's really bad. So I have some of my runners that I know spend a lot of time in cars and things like that are driving and, and, and less so, I think, at the moment. And I think it's for two reasons, the whole working from home thing, less people travelling. And also, I think there's an element of kind of respect for the environment and the situation we're in at the moment, kind of people, you know, thinking, do I really need to make that journey, which is great. But just being static, 
actually whether that's at a desk or whether that's on a plane or a train or whatever it's just it's just not good for the body so i was like it, on the plane i'm sure people must have thought he's like he's he's just not grown up he's like a five-year-old because i was i was trying <laughs> to stand up i was on you know you saw, i sort of got up and then i had to spin myself around and then i kneeled on the seat so i'm basically hanging over the back of the seat just staring at these people trying to sleep behind me but it was just it was just so i could stretch out my hip flexors that's that's the only reason and i, I did want to say to them at one point i thought i just feel i need to tell them i'm not being a kid i am a grown man but i, I just I just need to stretch my hip flex. I didn't. I just sort of leave it. Let it go. Let them think of me what they will. You see, you're like a young child on holiday, and I'm like just an offensive Brit in the, you know, when I get to the the airport, whatever time it happens to be, you go, whatever time it happens to be, we're, we're on international time now, so it means I'm okay to have a beer. Even if I've just had breakfast at 6am, I can have a beer. Of course I can. No problem. I'm on the plane. Do you want a gin and tonic? Of course I want a gin and tonic. Yeah, 15 hours later, I've no idea of... Um, you, you're, you become ultra aware of your body i have no idea that i've even got a body <laughs> you're one of those people i thought you might be one yes. of those people we've never flown yes. together you're one of those people that it's 6 a.m it's 5 a.m doesn't matter doesn't matter it's let's have a beer i'm at the airport honestly i mm. couldn't do that I, I, I couldn't i mean it's only in recent years that i can have a drink before like evening time like seven do you know what i mean like I, I you know i could have a drink in the afternoon i'd rarely do that if i'm away maybe but it's very very rare i think i had one when i was away this time i just, but just these people like 5 a.m drinking beer and eating fried breakfast how do you do that man i mean that can't taste good <laughs> that's like uh, oh we should fly together we should fly together more often i mean you know i'm up for that but i just don't think i'm i'm prepared for the whole beer thing and clearly i would be out of of my depths i'm just you know you clash yourself you're not a proper runner i'm not a proper drinker so actually now that you've finally put this fence up that you keep moaning about saying this is why you can't run well that's up so you can get back running look i'll do your deal i'll write you a training plan for 5k and 10k running get you back up to speed with your running and you can write me a training plan to help me improve my drinking ability at the airport at some ungodly hour <laughs> for the show notes and video content Go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. It has been an age since we spoke with our next guest, and I think we are definitely due a catch up. So today's guest is Ross Braden. He is a soft tissue therapist. He's currently studying osteopathy, and when he has a time, he quite likes a little bit of running. He has a marathon PB of 2 hours and 16 minutes. He's ran 66 minutes and 30 seconds for a half marathon. And he has a 10k PB of 29 minutes and 56 seconds. And recently taking part in the night of the 10k PBs, he is now the proud owner of a 10,000 metres on the track personal best. Ross, it is absolutely awesome to have you back on the show. What a night you had in Highgate. How are the legs? Yeah, good. I mean, it was, uh, it's kind of, I'm in the middle of a busy period in terms of like, got loads of exams and all that sort of stuff going on. Um, and we're basically did, did that, did night 10k on Saturday and was back Tuesday doing full training. So fun never stops. But fortunately, I, I seem to have covered it right. I mean, 
good man. You must be absolutely buzzing from that, which I want to ask you about. And and then straight back into the thick of it, with obviously exams this morning, we, we just connected earlier, and, and you, oh, how's your morning been? And, you know, have you had clients, you've been busy and stuff, and you're like, oh, I've got an exam and stuff. Like, wow, that's crazy. What, do, I mean, finding that balance must be quite difficult be- between the two, I imagine, because they're two big things, aren't they? And obviously working as well. How, how, do you manage to spin the plates quite well? Are you organised? You know, how do you, how do you sort of, I suppose, prioritise and find that balance? Well, generally, my, my mantra is running's the most important thing, so everyone else can uh, take a back step. But this is actually the first time in my course where there's been so much work that it's actually... I've still managed to get most of the runs, but kind of not stressed it too much if the odd run gets cut short a bit or if I'm feeling really tired I think you've got to know that if all that sort of stress does take its toll on your body so actually missing an easy run is probably better than being ill for two days because you're burning the candle at both ends so this is the first time it's been quite difficult and even on Highgate I was barely thought about the race till about two o'clock in the afternoon where I finished revising was like right I need to now go and get my head into uh, do a race so it's kind of probably good because it took some of the stress off and um but yeah usually i would be thinking about it planning whereas before it was like just get as much work done and then try and shut off for a few hours so yeah it's kind of it's it's difficult i mean like i'm not the only person balancing everything but um it's also quite a nice outlet like i i love running and a few times my sessions have almost been better because i've been taken out the uh stresses of all my exams by just running as hard as I can which is quite a nice distraction so yeah there's a bit of balancing but unfortunately I love I love my running and it's a good stress reliever I'm sensing that Ross I'm sensing you quite like a bit of running you're not bad at running I think is is a bit of an understatement there and it's it it must be a very difficult thing I imagine you tell me to 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 get that balance right you know you're talking about well actually you know missing the odd run here and there is probably better than having more days out through uh, illness or injury or exhaustion or whatever and you come back stronger and all that stuff training's smart isn't it effectively is have you always been wired that way is it something you found easy is it something you've learned is it something you've learned through other people like you know the coach that you work with where, where does that come from that i suppose level of intelligent training and, and not always trying to smash your sessions knowing when to back off it's it's definitely um trial trial and error like i've i've definitely run through a number of times where i've been a bit ill and thought well i'm really fit so i'm just gonna run or race um and then miss a lot more time so it's kind of you ha- I think you have to learn by making those mistakes because people can tell you, but until you actually go and do it, and then you end up missing weeks, months, it, like that, it doesn't actually properly ingrain. So it has just been a bit of practice, and also I think I mentioned last time I, I got I basically trained myself into grounds and got chronic fatigue in 2016 and missed a year. So after that, I was like, okay, listen to my body is not just a a waffle people talk about is actually something I need to do so it's something I, I I think I am actually quite good at at knowing when to back off and definitely from training with a lot better athletes than myself you kind of realise that they don't smash themselves every session and actually 7, 8 out of 10 every week is much better than trying to get those 10 out of 10s it's nice to feel like you could have done a bit more and then you can go again and recover well so it's 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 been a slow learning process. I'm a slow learner for that, but um, definitely better than I was. It's, it's paying off now, isn't it? And I mean, I remember from the chat we had the first time you're on the show talking about the chronic fatigue, the experience, and learning from that experience. If if you did miss that episode, go back and check it out. It was a great chat with Ross. That's episode 65. You can catch up on. But it's important to have these, I suppose. 
let's call them negative experiences, whatever they may be. Sometimes they're not, they're often not negative, I think. Actually, if you learn from them, you can turn them into a positive, can't you? Even if it's forced you out of the game for a little bit or you've picked up an injury niggle or whatever, as long as you learn from that experience and you're using that to help you improve in the future, then it's a lesson learned and, and sort of... Uh, I suppose a situation that was perhaps frustrating at the time is actually something that you can really gain from and learn from. Obviously, it depends on the situation, of course, and severity. But I remember we spoke with Dr. Andy Jones not that long ago on the podcast, actually, Ross, who you know has worked with the likes of uh, Elliot Kipchoge and all the greats, Paula Radcliffe, and he was talking about that. You're not having to smash every session. Don't don't smash your runs. You know, smash training overall. Meaning, get get the intensity right. Like you're talking about that balance it doesn't have to be ten out of ten every time you put a pair of shoes on. And he he talks about pushing too much can sort of risk that boom or boom or bust approach to um to, to training where you're like, oh, I've had a great couple of weeks, three weeks, even a few months, and then all of a sudden you're sidelined and then you've got to build back some of the fitness you've lost and it's that up and down and up and down and stop, stop. You don't want that, do you? You want to kind of keep going. What do you typically do after a race like the 10K? I mean, I know you said you were straight back into your training, but do, do, is it literally just kind of business as usual or do you back off a little bit? I and mean, there must, I guess, be some sort of recovery process involved. So, so we backed off quite a lot in the week leading up to it which was in part because I was busy anyway and I just, just wanted to be really nice and fresh and then the two days after were quite light in terms of shorter runs nice and easy um, just really making sure to try and recover the body um, and then so we went back to the session on Tuesday but just took back the intensity a little bit so just bring it back to make sure that not absolutely killing myself and, and kind of play it by ear I think it'd be different because it was because we knew I was going to be busy like my coach and I I sort of was aware that wants to do well but this wasn't the be all and end all like it was just just an event to enjoy so if it was a bigger rate if it was more important race in terms of my season then I would back off more but because it's it was sort of a building block for um, to sort of just see where I was there was probably less recovery than I would usually. So I know I know others that did it took longer recovery. Um, I think you just got to see how you feel. Like you don't know how you're going to recover until a few days after, and um, just got to be sensible with it. And I, mean, I, I chat to my coach every day, so we're we're quite in touch with with how the body's going, and he will make adaptions. If I say I feel tired, then he'll he'll shorten it. So it's quite an individual thing, race to race. Ma- massively important, isn't it? isn't it that like that recovery and and adapting keeping training fluid rather than being a slave to a plan or a program or a goal or whatever you know how do you feel on a given day a given week a given month what what's going else is going off in life what other places you're spinning have you got exams that you've got to focus on as well so that, that whole balance that we've touched on earlier it is it is very difficult i think it's really interesting when you talk about i was listening and thinking as you were speaking about knowing yourself and going through the the putting yourself in that uh, pb contention which was awesome but backing off before that um and i guess in the weeks leading up to it that might have been a few days for yourself or a week it might be slightly longer for somebody else and especially if they're racing a longer distance but if you taper and reduce the intensity and volume well and smart then it's going the race is potentially going to take less out of the body, so potentially the, the, there might be an argument that you could recover that a little bit quicker rather than if you demand lots from yourself on the day of the race, but you've also demanded lots of yourself leading up to the race, then that could cause def- could definitely cause problems and delay you getting back into training. So 
So look, you're at 29.56 now, which just blows my mind. What was the target, Ross? Was it 29.56? What were you targeting? So actually, I ran 30.04. 29.56 is my, my road time, but um, 30.04 was the track PB. But I actually went into it um, just with no... I just wanted to race it. Just wanted to... Because, I mean, I, I don't know if you were there at um, Highgate, but the atmosphere is just incredible. And every other year I've done it, I've been obsessed by time and when you're on the track doing 25 laps you're very aware if you start slowing down and it gets yeah you can really stretch yourself out so kind of took away that time pressure and just tried to make strategies and just in race decisions to try and race the people around me uh, which was very refreshing because yeah it was it was a whole different way of approaching it um, and it meant that if we were off pace at the start I wasn't stressing like oh we're a few seconds off I need to get that back and it kind of meant that I was much more relaxed in the whole race um, so yeah the aim was ideally to break 30 on the track and win the race I ran 30.04 and came second so it could you could, there was part of me that was a little bit disappointed but actually just really enjoyed it and, and finished probably had my best final 200 of any race ever so that was uh that was the thing I was most happy about, especially as a marathon runner these days. Do you think you could have pipped the guy that came first if you'd have ditched the hat a little bit sooner? I noticed you throw the hat. I saw that. I wasn't I wasn't at the event, but I did watch the coverage, the live coverage. It was very impressive. I noticed that the commentator got your name wrong for a while. He, he got completely confused as to what was happening. But it's just the way you came through and that, and that strong finish as well was incredible. The whole cap thing, because you were racing in the cap, weren't you, for, for the majority of the race. Is that something that you do? Do you what what what, what is it? the cap it was just boiling hot day and i just thought i need anything to keep the temperature down because i generally i'm not great in the heat so i thought if i get a hat i can soak that and um i actually had hat and sunglasses it was a unorthodox look and i've probably got more comments on that than i did the actual race uh, um but yeah so so i thought if i can just keep myself as cool as possible keep the sunglasses on so people can't see how tired you are because again racing minds um and yeah, I decided that the hat was slowing me down because obviously super heavy and that's that's how it works. Um, so I threw that away. But then my, my <laughs> hair looked terrible and that's all, there's loads of pictures of it. So that was probably really upsetting. Not that I'm vain at all, but... <laughs> <laughs> Came away with a great time, but hat hair on the finishers photo. I mean, you know, it's a, you've got to take it, haven't you? You've got to accept my big, it. My biggest takeaway was make sure my hair's sorted if I'm going to take a hat off. And so that's uh, <laughs> l- lessons learned. Every day's a school day. Every day's a school day, Ross. I love it. So what you know when it is hot, hot conditions... Uh, as a lot of people face and they fear don't they You're checking the forecast oh my god it's going to be hot in a marathon or 10k or whatever oh what do you do is it is it is it how do you prepare for it like hydration wise uh, so in this race in Highgate was there something that you did specifically maybe different than if it was a cooler race or was it purely just hat and shades that'll do me right let's just give it a go I mean it def- definitely um, again feeding back into the whole not being worried about time it was what 24 25 degrees it was like well I'm not going to run it's not, this is not going to be a blistering time so actually start off slow keep the body cool like I was stopping for water which generally wouldn't do in a 10k but just thought just need to do what I can to keep the temperature down yeah throwing water over myself just to really make sure that I didn't overheat um, and yeah just trying to be a lot more conservative in the start um, yeah I mean there's not much you can do on the actual day you just just generally if you go out a bit more cautiously then that's going to be better because once you overheat there's no real going back from it so um if you can train in the heat before which is 
why autumn marathons are good because you can train in the heat all summer and then hopefully it won't be as hot um but yeah on the day just do what you can to keep the body temperature down and and reframing what you expect because you're not going to run as well when it's 25 degrees as you will when it's like 10 degrees so i think a lot of people forget that and then it goes horribly so yeah it's it's definitely just being a bit more cautious easy to overlook that isn't it the importance of keeping cool core body temperature and stuff and, and managing that heat build up as well because like you say it's hard thing to come back from you know and and often the only way to kind of try and help with that is to literally cool yourself down with water douse yourself slow down you know just take some heat out of the system but actually that's going to affect your time it's not what you want to do so that's a really difficult thing i think to to kind of try and pace that i think especially the marathon because it's one or two times a year and if it's a hot day and most most of the time you're doing a marathon it's for a time so um i think you do have to go okay this might not happen what i want today but just got to get the best out of my body i mean you can't overcome your your body's natural like what's going to happen in the heat so actually just trying to be realistic and then try and race it as well and think okay well i came this position last year in a better temperature this position was this time so that's probably more representative and kind of reframing it like that because yeah it's very hard because we're all obsessed by times and when you do a marathon in the heat there's it's just not gonna be as quick is it really important to reframe though as well as you say because and i sense that you're really good at this ross as well with your experience and perhaps the way you're wired kind of personality wise but just able to look at everything i mean of course not surely you could have gone quicker it had it been optimum conditions but fortunately you came away with such an amazing time you know pb and all those things but you're still able to look at it and go well actually you know i had to stop for a bit of water which i wouldn't normally do and you know the, the whole cap and glasses and whatnot amazing absolutely amazing here's a question for you i'm going to put you on the spot now come on look you're a friend of the show i don't always put my guests on the spot but sometimes i do i'm going to do that with you had it have been had the conditions have been optimum everything was the same so your training is the same how you felt on the day was the same what time do you think you could have come away with? I I like to think there was maybe thirty seconds more. I think it's probably. I think how I felt in the heat. I just felt my throat was really like felt really dry, and yeah, I, I generally struggle with the heat. So I, I reckon maybe I was in shape for sort of a twenty nine thirty, um, which would have been really nice to to get. Um, so yeah, I reckon, I reckon that that's probably what was there. But I'm also. I've not really looked back at it and think, oh, that I'm really disappointed about that. I think I kind of, it was kind of a, a test of fitness, and I know that the fitness was good. So, um, yeah, it would have been nice, but next year, there's always next year. That's, that's got to be motivating, right, surely, to think, man, I came away with that time. I think I could have done this if things were perfect. I've now got more time to train and more to learn from and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that must does that fire you up? That must be... That, you must use that as fuel. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really exciting, and um, I've generally got quicker each time I've done that race, so... I've I've got a minute quicker over time I've done it so by simple maths I'll definitely run 29 minutes next year because that's that's how running works so yeah it's uh, it's exciting <laughs> I can't wait to hear about that when we get you back on in a year's time so the difference then I mean we talk here you mentioned 29.56 is actually your PB which is on the road what's the difference generally between 10,000 metres on the track and 10k on the road on a super fast course what what can you sort of expect in terms of difference of time I think partly on the call like on the road you're going to get a lot more people you're going to be able to just run in a group and it's going to be consistent pace it's also mentally a lot easier because you're not 
you don't have a constant feedback of how many laps you got to go and what your exact pace is. You can kind of, if one if a mile is slower, there's usually there might be wind around a different way. You can speed up, and the elephant in the in the room is obviously the shoes on the road help a lot more than spikes on the track. So that that adds some more. I'd say. I would struggle to give a number on what the difference is. Um, prior to this, there was about, I'd say maybe like 30 seconds, maybe more as you, yeah, maybe at least 30 seconds. So from the road to the track, so which which being the quicker of the two, the road? I'd say road, I mean, I think people would disagree with me, but I think I could, I think it'd be easier to run quicker on the road. Maybe 20 seconds. Yeah. It's just really interesting, Ross, to get into your mindset and thought process and stuff. And, and you know, it, it is an opinion. It's great to get people's opinions, especially people like yourself, Ross, coming back on the show. But it's that, because you think, in one sense, and I'm not particularly a track runner at all. I love the track. I actually am starting to do a lot more sessions on the track. Really enjoy it. You know, it's purely an enjoyment thing. And it's nice. You're unrestricted in terms of you're not going to cross roads and faff about. It's pancake flat. You know, all that. And you think in, well, I think, you know, fast surface, a lot of a lot of uh, feedback from the track, you know, in terms of the energy recall and whatnot. But on the road, you know, I think, oh, I slower surface, you know, potentially some undulations and all that sort of stuff. But then you've got groups of people, you've got the shoes that you mention, which is very interesting. So you're going to get more pace from the shoes on the road, in your opinion, than you are track uh, spikes on the track the the track spikes even with a bit there, there's very little that you get back whereas on the roads like i mean i don't know if you've run in the carbon shoes but they they do feel lovely and um they're definitely more bouncy i mean there's a whole whole debate on how much advantage they give but i mean there's also a psychological element of that you see everyone running quick in the shoes so the shoes must make you run quick like there's a, a simple mass whereas the track is it's very much um I think there's something pure about the track because there's no different courses, different um, terrain. It's just pure. I think especially 10K, it's just such a mental battle because you're feeling tired pretty early and you've just got a constant feedback of what what your pace is, how many laps you've got to go. And I remember thinking at one, at one stage during the race, I kind of hit a bit of a wall about sort of 7, 8K. I was hurting a lot. And I just remember thinking, like, it's not going to get any easier. Like, there's no... I've just got to keep going round. Like, there's no... Oh, there might be a downhill at some stage. Or, oh, I might stop feeling good. It's just, this is how much it's going to hurt. And if I'm going to carry on, I just need to keep digging into that pain cave. So it's just it's just relentless. And I think that's very tough mentally to make yourself keep keep going at that same pace, working harder just to maintain that same pace. I think that's where... 10k on the track in my opinion is is more difficult because yeah also we do less of them like there's there's less opportunity so talking of shoes uh, and the carbons I've, I've got a pair of carbon shoes myself i really like them actually the the Saucony endorphin pros are what i'm wearing at the moment i've got the speeds as well the endorphin speeds which are sort of like a training partner to them if you like and i really enjoy them in some respects i actually feel better in the speeds but again it's so personal isn't it what are you wearing at the moment i'm, I'm interested to know do you do you shoe rotate and things how many do you sort of tend to have on on the go at any one time i mean i, I won't i won't pan around my room but i've got about a box of 20 shoes <laughs> half of half. oh do it pan i love i love a good shoe i, I mean pan. i mean we, we've got <laughs> that's the whole part of the shoes over there um man and that's that's not in all of them. Yeah, I rotate quite a lot. I've I've a lot of shoes on the go. Um, yeah, I mean, I love the uh, the speeds. I really like the speeds. Um, 
got a pair of the, the next percent. So yeah, I kind of, I'll use them. I feel like they just help your legs a little bit in training. Um, like I'll try and do a lot of work in normal flats, but yeah, just some of the longer stuff. I just find that you can recover a bit better from them. Um, so yeah, I like to include them and, and get used to it for when you're racing them as well. well. What sort of shoe do you use that's for kind of like really easy stuff? So like, you know, when you need to just be a little bit kinder to the body, so I'm not talking like a quality session, you're just going out there and doing a, an easy run or a recovery run as you, as, as some people might call it. What what would you wear? Would you wear like a, a carbon type shoe or something with like like an acrylic plate, like the speed to, for a little bit more forgiving or, or would you wear something that's got even more cushioning or what do you wear? Yeah, just something nice and cushiony, um, just something nice and soft. Um, yeah, I think if you wear carbon all the time, then you kind of don't uh, work those muscles. Like, yeah, it, I don't think it's best to wear carbon all the time because it takes some, it just adapts your form a little bit and takes some of the strain away from building your calf muscles. So I think actually just wearing some nice soft shoes uh, with a bit of cushioning, just whatever feels comfortable. Um, yeah, I've got got some hokers, got some um, the Sakani what they're called um i can't remember what they're called and some hoka kiftons and yeah just just got a, a, a constant rotation that's that's my i like to wear different ones based on absolutely nothing just decide yeah well judging judging from the pile of boxes behind you you've got a a shoe for every day of the year that that's quite remarkable i'm quite impressed with that that's uh that's some shoe collection you've got <laughs> And every single one is absolutely essential. Couldn't couldn't do without any of them. Of course, of course, of course. How, how do you know when they're done, Ross? Do you have like a, you know, you, you look at the likes of Strava and a lot of the industry sort of say, oh, three to 500 miles was obviously really broad range. Do you have like a number where you go, right, okay, that's, I'm done now, I need to change them? Or do you go on feel, look, when you get bored? What, what do you, how do you judge it? Yeah, I generally feel like um, if, I, if I come back for a run, I mean, it's probably not the best thing because if I come back for a run and feels a bit sore, then that shoe goes in a maybe get rid of and then if that happens again then they get chucked um i mean generally have a little look to see if uh if they're they're worn out but i think you can kind of feel like if you're if your foot's rolling a little bit um then it's probably time to go i have a rough idea of when i got each shoe and um how much i've done in them so yeah i generally try and make them last a little while but um i also think it's better to buy a new pair of shoes rather than the cost of being injured for a month or so so I like to. I also advise all my everyone that I treat to repay shoes often. So, got to practice what you preach, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. And that's your justification for uh, all the shoes that you've got. Uh, exactly. Good man. I yeah, like what you yeah. did there. Good man. Good man. Just going back to the uh, the, the night of the 10k PBs. For something like a 10k, what's your warm up routine? What are you? Are you pretty meticulous, or do you adapt it on the day depending on how you're feeling and conditions, or is it just like right, this is what I do? Uh, and, and what is that routine like? So again, like because it was a really hot day, the warm up was a little bit shorter, um, a little bit easier. Stick to the shades. Like when I got there, obviously wanted to see people, but trying to keep rested, and then I kind of think from an hour before I need to start getting in the zone and, and really. Um, making sure that um i'm yeah like it, i'm not no longer like just chatting with people i'm starting to think about what i need to do so i'll go for a a mile or two jog probably again it was probably close to sort of a mile and a half because it was hot then um just make sure everything's ready um kind of get to make sure that i'm to the start nice and early and everything's needs to be done and then probably do like 
10 minutes of drills or so just to warm up all the muscles um, see if anything feels restricted and then maybe do a little bit more with that um, and generally that's it to be honest um, then when we get to start do a couple of strides um, but I think a big part of it is just getting yourself mentally focused so that you're ready to hit it straight away and sort of I do some breathing exercises to really calm because I, I find some people need to get themselves fired up I'm generally pretty fired up so I need to calm myself down so it's some breathing exercises to um yeah make sure that I'm just in the right state of mind um they look a bit odd so I try and do them not in front of everyone but <laughs> um look like I'm losing it a little bit but yeah that's that's my general so that's really interesting though isn't it that observation knowing yourself as well as you do that actually you need to calm yourself down a little bit because you you know you're super fired up anyway so that's not an issue you don't need to get switched on and get in the zone you almost need to just make sure you're not too far into the center of the zone <laughs> or risking too far being the other end where you come out the zone because you're pushing so much and and maybe setting off too quick that's really interesting with those breathing exercises you know you mentioned the the run that you do so the jog to sort of get warmed up you know a mile or two when you say jog ross do you mean jog or is it like your normal easy running pace and you know i don't mean in terms of the number but i'm I'm interested to know how somebody like you that runs as fast as you do would set off in that sort of mile or two warm-up is it like a plod or is it just normal easy pace it's kind of a plod and then gets a bit quicker as you go on probably get up to easy pace um so i mean if we're talking basic numbers we'd probably half a mile at sort of 8 eight thirty pace and then by the end we'll be doing seven thirty pace but um sometimes it can be a little bit quicker because you're a little bit fresher um i think it's just best just not to look at your watch and just try and just kind of get moving a little bit and just so you that you're feeling whatever pace feels comfortable that's what pace you do i think your body can be quite good at telling you that um, again it's another thing that I don't really think about because it's all about trying to just not stress about I used to stress about everything make sure everything's absolutely perfect but actually by doing that you end up more stressed because you can't control every little bit so like on Saturday at Highgate we, I was jogging with a couple of other people so we just went at a pace that was worked for all of us Whereas I think if I'd stressed and been like, oh, are we going too slow? Are we going too fast? Then I would have done it on my own and probably got in my head. Whereas actually chatting with a couple of guys about the race and going at that pace is absolutely fine. So um, I think it's easy to overthink it, but just you just want to get your legs moving. Like it's not, there's, there's not going to be any different really in terms of fatigue or muscle warm up between a minute per mile over those mile and a half like it's really not gonna make a difference but if you stress about it it will make a difference so i think that's really interesting like just listening to the body and how do you feel because we can all get a little bit caught up in numbers can't we everybody you know depending on and rather not depending on what what they're training for and what level of ability they are we can all get a bit caught up on numbers so just taking a step back from that and saying well how do I feel looking at the washing well actually I feel alright at this pace and it's perhaps quicker than I maybe would have prescribed for my warm up or maybe it's slower than you would have liked to have done for the warm up but in either case it feels right we'll we'll go with it you know go with it talking of numbers and I am going to pick up on what you said there because I find this really interesting and I hope people listening to this do as well and I really hope they take something from it because I'm a big 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 believer in this you mentioned your warm up and you said oh if we're talking to numbers you know this pace kind of starting off and then building up what was your pace for the 10k do you know what your pace was minutes per mile what do you do what do you run at him uh, so it would have been 450, uh, yeah, about 450 right. per mile. So let's just give this some perspective. 
So 450 there in per mile, which is just eye watering, for a 10k. Yet your warm up, you started at about eight eight thirty minutes per mile there in. I mean, significantly different. And I think, and I think as a runner, and I think as a coach, so runner through my own experience of making some mistakes. That it's very easy to push a little bit too much. Now, I know we're saying here, and I agree with you, Ross, you know, listen to how you feel and stuff. But I think sometimes people are in danger of pushing too much when they should just back off a little bit, even just in the first, like, five, ten minutes or whatever of a normal run that they're doing, just to get everything, you know, waking up, feeling good, especially if it's cold. I know you talk about the weather was clearly not cold, so the warm-up didn't need to be quite as thorough. But if it is cold, making sure you just go super, super slow, dial in with the body, how are you feeling? Like you do with the drills. You were like, well, yeah, I'll probably do about ten minutes of drills. And then I just feel what's tight, feel, you know, do I need to do a little bit more work on that? Maybe there's one or two drills I need to do a few more repetitions of or whatever, just to get properly fired up. It's That's training smart, isn't it? I, I really, really love that. Ross, uh, look, I know you're super busy. You've got loads going on. I could just talk to you all day. We'll get you back on the show. But I'm really interested to know, where do you go from here? Because you're smashing it at the moment. What is next? And importantly... How do you go to that stage? What does it require to achieve what it is you want to next achieve? In terms of uh, the next stage, I'm actually going off to um, Font Romeau in the Pyrenees for six weeks. So we're kind of adding in altitude training. I did some back in April uh, as part of the England Athletic staff. Um, Saw that. Yeah. Looked great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just an amazing place to, to live and work. Um, so, yeah, it's basically adding that in and... It's really just consistency. It's just there's no there's no magic thing that we're going to add in. I mean, obviously, the more you do, the more you train, the more you can add in volume. But really, it's just keep adding in consistency. Like I'm trying to add in more gym work, which is something that I'm not so good at because, as we all we love to run, we don't love to do the gym stuff. So it's getting everything else, all the other sides of it, really as sharp as they can be because. It's about utilising, getting the recovery right, getting the gym exercise right, um, and yeah, the few other sort of marginal gains. So yeah, I'm going to be be in France for for six weeks and really try and get some of the gains from that, um, and try and do a few more of them trips if I can wangle um, wangle that for a bit longer. So yeah, that's that's kind of what is next. I mean, the big one for me is uh, London Marathon in October. So that's. Uh, that's what I'm targeting. That's what this was. We're already starting to build up for that. So it's just really getting in lots of long runs and and hopefully uh, having a really good day. And the target time for London, have you got one in mind? So I don't have a target time. Again, I just want to race it. Just want to um, feature high in domestic field, which, I, again, I've really enjoyed that whole mindset of not, not stressing. It's one of the things that I get myself quite stressed on race day and especially pacing and doesn't help so just just gonna race race the people race conditions if it's quick if it's slow try and get in the best shape possible and yeah just just see what happens so i've got i've got times in mind well my coach has times in mind that he wants me to run but um it always seems far-fetched till you get a bit closer 
Hey, it's re- well, we're a long way out, aren't we? And it's very different when you're chasing uh, competitors rather than the clock as well, isn't it? And I, clearly, you're a fierce competitor and looking to uh, take your running to the next level, which is just ace. Can't wait to hear how it goes. And the Pyrenees, I mean, that sounds absolutely awful six weeks there. I mean, I'm, I feel so sorry for you. Have you. Are you going 20 kilos? Have you upgraded to 25 kilos luggage? I'm just thinking the running shoes. I'm worried about you. Are you going DHL? How are you going to get all those shoes out there, mate? It's, um, you know, it's going to be tricky, isn't it? I've, I've gone 25. I'll try and fit some clothes in there as well, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I, ho- I hope they don't go missing. I mean, we had a nightmare travelling back from Greece. 15 hours, honestly. We didn't... The case didn't go missing, unfortunately. So my my two lonely pairs of running shoes that I took were fine. They're back with me now. So, look, have an awesome time, Ross. Uh, we will catch up again in the future. It's been wicked to uh, to speak to you on the show. Catch you soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on again. And, uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated. Running with Jake, the podcast. And now it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It is indeed that special part of the show. Drum roll, please. Beat the producer, non-running guy. Let's have a little chat about Patreon. You love that stuff. Do you actually ro- do you want a drum roll? I mean, if you've got one to hand, that would be marvellous. Can do. Is that okay? Setting the scene beautifully. <laughs> the ambiance. Here we go. But now I feel like I've been sold up the river a little bit because you set this up as something that requires a drum roll and all I'm going to say is um, the show's free. Of course the show's free, but if you do want to pay for it, um, then obviously it costs us money to do and thanks very much to all of our patreons uh, anyone who who um who uh, gives us money obviously we look after in a very special way um and uh, and and there are so, there are, there are a good number of patrons now which is lovely and it, it just um yeah if you can afford it then it costs if you can't afford it then that's fine someone else is paying for you that's cool. Uh, if you do want to give us cash, then of course you can. We'll spend it on stuff that is only related to the show. Like when Jake set fire to the studio, um, we had to buy a new one. And if it wasn't for the patrons, our our show would have been cancelled right back then. So if you do want to give us a few quid every month, um, then or, or, or 50p a month, I don't even care. It doesn't even matter. Um, then you can go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and click on the banner at the top. And now it's time for the third best part of the show obviously you know with the patreon being first the best but well no 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 the guest is the best part isn't it then patreon sec- look it doesn't matter yes, yes now it's time to take another one of your questions it is indeed hashtag ask jake today's question comes from kim who wants to know how long it takes to actually lose fitness she's had a bit of a break from running through a little bit of injury holiday she wants to get back into it which is great to hear super fired up but she's concerned that she's lost quite a lot of fitness she wants to know how long it takes well look kim the thing is and i really believe this strongly i think that you probably think you lose fitness quicker than you do i think it's the case for most people because yes you do lose fitness if, if of course you've had a bit of a break um but to be honest like with the runners i coach if they've had a week to 10 days off training, let's say they've had an unscheduled break, I would just get them back into their normal training because they're not going to lose that much. It's not like they need to build back up like huge sort of tolerance levels to the impact of running and we can just business as usual. If you've had a bit longer than that, which it sounds like you have, then yes, you will have lost some fitness. But here's the thing. It's a lot easier to regain your fitness than it is to find it in the first place. So you know mentally where you've been, you know what work it takes. So that makes it easier in itself because you can embrace that process. But I promise you, you will probably not lose as much as you think. So if you're looking at sort of three weeks 
or let's say two to sort of four weeks and beyond, then definitely you will just need to scale things back as you get back into training. Just make sure you build up slowly, really listen to the body so that you don't cause yourself any issues and end up on the subs bench. That's not what we want. I hope that helps. Great to hear you back running. If you've got a question, it's hashtag SJake, or you can drop us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That brings us to the end of another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. A massive thank you to today's guest, Ross. Thank you to our Ask Jake questionnaire. And thank you to the beautiful patrons of the show and the listeners. Thank you to everybody. That's enough now. We've really got to crack on, haven't we? Got, got some stuff to do today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a few runs. We've got some, well, I've not got any runs, no, but I've got some stuff to do. Let's, let's forget the, the like, um, you know, acceptance speech thing or whatever you're doing. Just say goodbye. Let's do it. Come on. We've got stuff to do, man. It's like the Oscars. Get on. Get off. Get your award. Disappear. Look, we're going now. Anyway, listen, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Oh, and one more thing. A river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. Persistence.